This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Michelle Bonds from the Mustang Heritage Foundation. And I'm Alex Capert from the Mustang Heritage Foundation. And you are listening to the monthly Mustang Heritage Foundation episode of Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for July the 6th. This episode is brought to you by the Mustang Heritage Foundation. Good morning, Horse World. The first Tuesday of the month is all about America's horse, the Mustang, hosted by the Mustang Heritage Foundation. We are fresh off the virtual Kentucky Extreme Mustang Makeover. It just ended last week. We had 10 adult competitors, 18 youth. Alex, how do you think it went? I could not be happier. Uh, you know, those trainers did an outstanding job, uh, put up a lot of great uh, videos, had a lot of people watch and enjoy and see what these Mustangs can do. Uh, and, you know, the best part is if you missed it, you can still pop over to our website uh, and check out the results and the videos at mustangheritagefoundation.org slash watch dash KY. So really exciting. If you missed it, I would really encourage you to check it out. I was just, I was ecstatic. How are you feeling, Michelle? Yeah, it was so exciting watching these trainers. You know, we've kind of followed their journeys. So many of our, our trainers do such a great job of sharing their journeys with these Mustangs the whole entire 100 days. So we've watched these horses and then finally to get them to see them compete was really exciting. I think one of the really exciting parts of this was the auction. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. It was, a, it was a nail biter, uh, for sure, which was great. Um, we had 10 horses sell and our average was, uh, over $9,300, which is uh, pretty close to an all time record for all of our events over the last 15 years. So uh, I was pretty happy with that. And I think our trainers, uh, will be as well. I think you're right. Um, the trainers, you know, they get rewarded for their hard work um, preparing these Mustangs. And then these Mustangs are going into great homes where they're going to continue either training or competing or just have a great owner to live their lives with. Absolutely. And, you know, it's really exciting. We love watching uh, these horses after they graduate, if you will, from our makeover programs and see where they go get involved. Uh, down the road, we've got folks that go to hunter jumper, eventing, um, stock horse stuff. So it's it's really fun to see where they've come after a hundred days, and it's even more exciting, in my opinion, to see you know one, two, five years down the road what these horses have done and continue to do. So it's just it's so much fun watching these events uh, and seeing how they turn out. Agreed. And speaking of that, we actually have a great opportunity for these horses coming up in Oklahoma City in just about a month. Yeah. So we're we, gearing up for the Oklahoma City Extreme Mustang Makeover. Absolutely. And that's going to be a great opportunity uh, for anyone and everyone to come out and see um, an in-person makeover. And uh, we're going to have an open show. I think we've talked about here on the show a few times, but uh, you want to throw some more details out there for our listeners? 
Yeah, of course. So the open show is open to any BLM branded Mustang. Um, so anybody, if you whether you've gotten it through one of our programs or not, you're able to come and compete in the Oklahoma City open show. It is 5,000 added, so that's pretty exciting. Details are online at mustangheritagefoundation.org slash extreme OKC. And uh, those entries close August 6th, so go check it out. Definitely, definitely. We're uh, we're expecting quite the turnout here for our Oklahoma City event. It'll be the first one um, in person since January of 2020, which is hard to believe. We're thrilled that COVID is uh, mostly behind us, knock on wood, and that we're going to get to see everyone's smiling faces. So whether you can attend as a spectator or a competitor or you just want to come learn more about these horses and the great things they can do, I would encourage everyone to come out and uh, you actually have an opportunity to take some of these competing horses home uh, through an auction process. You want to talk a little bit more about that, Michelle? Yeah, of course. So we will actually be having an auction like we um, typically do with the Extreme Mustang Makeovers in Oklahoma City. This auction is going to be a little unique. It's the first time we will have where you can bid live in person and online. So if you aren't actually able to make it to Oklahoma City, but you are excited, you're but you are interested in one of these horses, you can still bring one home. We'll have details coming up on our website soon about how to apply for the auction and get registered for that. And we'll also be live streaming the entire Oklahoma City event. So you can follow along. We would love to see you in person, but if you are not able to come, we will be live streaming. Which is really, really exciting. I know there's a lot of people that are uh, chomping at the bit, all puns intended, to get out there and see one of these uh, events in person. Uh, And, you know, if you can't bring a horse home or you don't feel the need to right now, that's great. We still would encourage you to come out, check it out. Um, And to do that, um, it's free all week. Uh, We'll be moving in starting on Wednesday. We'll have classes starting on Thursday, Friday, and then some stuff going on Saturday morning. Uh, But probably what we're most excited about is our freestyle top 10. That's going to be Saturday evening. Uh, So be sure to get your tickets for that. Uh, If if folks are interested in getting their tickets, where can they go to learn more and, and get those tickets purchased, Michelle? Yeah. So I am so excited about the freestyle event. You'll definitely want to get your tickets early. You can find those at mustangheritagefoundation.org slash extreme OKC. You can also look on the Oklahoma City Fairgrounds website and they'll have a link there as well. Yes, yes. And we've got uh, tickets ranging the whole spectrum from, uh, you know, our general admission, which we love having all the way up to uh, VIP ringside seating with a VIP experience. So uh, depending on what your flavor is, we've got a ticket for you. So check those out. Uh, Come see us in Oklahoma City. Uh, We can't wait to see everyone in person. We're excited to have our first guest, Katie Ketterhagen. She is our Extreme Mustang Makeover Virtual Champion from Kentucky. Katie, welcome to the show. Thank you guys for having me. I want to ask you a little bit about Kentucky and competing and what it was like. But first, I want to—I'm going to try and remember all of your, all of your winnings from the show. So you and Like a Champ <laughs> were first in handling, first in pattern, first in trail, first overall, first in the compulsory, and then you also won the finals. Yeah. Correct. So congratulations (laughs) on all of that. So tell us a little bit about the show and competing with um, Like a Champ. 
Um, it was it was super fun. Um, gosh, where do I even start? <laughs> he he was not the easiest horse I've had, um, but he he tried really hard, and he had like just one of the best personalities I've seen in a horse. Um, he wasn't tough in ways that he was like too wild or, you know, he just, he needed a lot of help in figuring out what to do with his body. So we spent a lot of time just on the basics and we were getting down to like a month left before we had to film our videos. And I was starting to panic a little bit because we couldn't even do a basic pattern. (laughs) So I just started really, you know, working hard and repeating the same things over and over until he could kind of understand it and, he pulled through and tried his hardest and just was awesome for me. That is awesome. Well, it definitely showed, obviously, and the judges obviously took note um, of all of your hard work and champs' hard work as well. Tell us how, because this, because of COVID, um, this makeover was a little bit different. Obviously, it was virtual, but then you also got to choose your horses. Um, you got to go to the BLM facility or a storefront and, and choose your horse rather than it being assigned. How did you choose Champ? Oh, yeah, this is a good story. <laughs> so we scheduled to go up to Paul's Valley, which is about a five-hour drive for us. And um, I think they said they would be there at 8 in the morning. And so we were like, well, we're going to go as early as we can. So we could be first in line. We didn't know how many other people were going that day. Um, and I can't remember exactly for sure, but I think we pulled in there at 6.23. And we were the first ones in line. Like, I was like, oh, good. We're the first ones here. And we had, you know, drove five hours to get there. We had just stopped at the gas station. We almost went inside to get some food. And we're like, no, let's just go get in line. And so we pulled in at 6.23, and four minutes later, another person pulls in behind us. (laughs) So we just, like, I mean, just barely made it to be the first ones there. And then, of course, we had to wait another, you know, hour and a half before anybody showed up. And we were just waiting outside the gate, and we couldn't see any of the horses yet. And they kind of, the BLM employees got there, and we could see they were kind of getting set up. And they came out and gave us a list of the horses. And all the list had was their age, their gender, their HMA, and their color. And um, before we got the list, I had said I really wanted to get a Pinto because I've done something like nine or ten EMMs before, and I've had several different colors, but I've never had, I've never gotten a Pinto Mustang. And I was like, well, that's that's just kind of what I'm hoping for. And uh, we look at the list, and the very first horse on the list was a Pinto and he was the only Pinto on the list. And I think there were probably 25 horses on this list. And, um, he was also from little Oahe, which is my favorite herd. And he was the only horse from little Oahe. And I was like, Hey, that's the one I want. I haven't even seen him yet. I have no idea how big he is. And like, I know nothing. I don't know what he looks like. Like I want the Pinto from little Oahe. And we finally get to go in and see them actually in person and walk up and look at him. And I find him right away and he's standing in the middle of his pen with, I want to say six or seven other horses. And he's just standing there with his head kind of down, you know, looking fairly happy, looking at me with his ears up. 
And all the other horses in his pen are just kind of bouncing around behind him, running into him. And he literally, like, they'd run into him and he'd just, like, take one step and rebalance himself and, like, just chill. And he'd kind of walk around a little bit. And all these other horses are, you know, doing the Mustang thing, panicking a little bit. And he was just super chill. And I was like, okay, yeah, for sure. That's the one I want. And I got to pick first because Craig and I were there first. And, of course, he's awesome. He let me pick first. So <laughs> that's, uh, that's how I picked him. That sounds awesome. So did um, did Champ's personality, kind of that sort of calm demeanor, did that continue? Was that sort of who he is or who he was through your training as well? Yes. Yeah, he definitely like remain he wants to be a very calm easygoing horse um early on he lacked a little bit of patience and but it wasn't terrible he wasn't you know anxious or he wasn't just a big um brat about anything he just he would he does this funny thing and he still does it a little bit but not often where when he is starting to lose his patience like if i'm just we're standing still or he's tied up or whatever he just picks up one front slit and like kind of holds it in the air like he was like hey I want to do something else <laughs> <laughs> well I guess that's a better habit than some of the other habits he could have yeah. so <laughs> yeah yeah for sure so you like you said you've done several EMMs what is it like and I believe this is your second virtual EMM what is it like doing a virtual EMM versus a live EMM Oh man, it's, it's different for sure. Um, it's nice knowing, you know, going into it that we don't have to worry about trying to get our horse to a bunch of shows and all that added stress. You know, we can make it pretty easy for the horses by just taking it easy and staying at home. And we still haul them a little bit just to make sure they're going to be good to be hauled, but we don't have to go to a show for three days and stress them out too much. So it's, it's definitely pretty easy on the horses for sure. Um, it's We for sure love the actual in-person shows where we get to actually see everyone and hang out. And it's one of the best atmospheres to be in is that you know, an in-person EMM and super fun. So we've, we've missed that part definitely. But the, the virtual, it's, I would say it's still just as much fun and just as rewarding. So it's definitely worth it. That's really, really good to hear. Um, so one comment you'd made just a few minutes ago before you talked about picking champ, but you said that, you know, about a month out, you were, you were worried. You, you thought that, you know, uh, where are we at? What's going on? But, but you stuck with it. Would you say that that's uh, something that you've dealt with in the past? And, and if so, or, or even if not, you know, what, what advice would you give to others that might be in a similar situation, Katie? Um, yeah, actually that's, uh, probably something I go through now that you bring it up uh, for every EMM we get, I get to about two or three weeks out and I start to panic because I'm like, I'm not ready. I need to have all these things where, you know, it's not perfect yet. And I, I've done that probably for every EMM and I just, I get a little bit stressed out and I would say my best advice is to like, just kind of keep calm and, just keep practicing the basics, you know, don't get frustrated with your horse. Don't overdo it. Just keep things simple so that your horse understands what you're doing 
and has the confidence to perform well and, you know, try to not stress out too much. Um, obviously, you did really, really well um, in this event. And uh, I guess, can you kind of take us through what the what the basics are of, you know, you, you, you got champ, you told us that great story about how you got him, you know, what was it like getting him home? How did you get him started? What was, what was that process? How does that work for you? And and does it happen differently with each horse? Do you kind of have a protocol kind of walk us through that? Um, yeah. So we got him home and, you know, that first day we just really try to work on spending as much time with him that first day as we can. And getting those first touches, obviously, getting the lead rope on and start teaching them to yield the pressure. And um, we have a pretty good setup at our house where we've got our 20 by 20 pens, and then they feed into a lane that goes into the round pen. So if we have to, we can, you know, open the gates and just move the horse over to the round pen. Um, but for us, we, we once we, you know, started getting to yield the pressure of the halter, then we got on our saddle horses and we'd start to teach them to, lead a little bit with the saddle horse and that way when we take them out of their pan they can't pull the rope out of our hands because for one they're a little more confident following that horse and two you know they can't really pull a rope away from a horse as much as they can a human so that usually works out pretty well um yeah we just we try to unless we get home in the middle of the night we pretty much try to get right to work and we don't put too much stress on them that at first but we just Pretty much first thing, we just try to show them that we're going to be their friend and help them out. We hear from a lot of folks that, you know, that that first step in, in working with a Mustang is just building that base layer of trust. And it sounds like that's what, what you do with, with your training regimen. When it comes to competing in the makeovers, you know, what advice would you give someone that might be, you know, interested or, or thinking about competing down the road or just wanting to learn more about Mustangs? How how did you get introduced and, and what would you say to folks that, that are interested or, or on the fence? Uh, okay. So back in 2012, I did my first Mustang makeover and I was not going to sign up because I had only ever worked with domestic horses and I was, there's no way I can train a wild Mustang. I have no idea what I'm doing. And my mom said, well, there's no harm in just filling out the application. Just do it, send it in and see what happens. And then two months later, I had a wild Mustang in my round pit, and here we are. <laughs> I would say, like, just go for it. Like, you know, there's there's no reason not to. You might as well give it a shot. I think that's that's great advice, Katie. Um, we hear a lot from different some of our different interviews we've had about how important sort of the network is and having some folks around you. Obviously, you and your fiance Craig work together, so I would say, I mean, being married, that probably is sometimes good and bad at moments, but <laughs> um, <laughs> how important is that? Do you think that network is and you know when you're getting started in this? Oh, it's it's super helpful to have whether it's your spouse or just your friends kind of doing it along with you because you keep pushing each other to keep going and keep trying and I think it helps keep it keeps people from giving up you know and then we help each other out if we're struggling with one of our horses we bounce ideas off each other we step in and do a little bit of work or whatever we need to do and we just keep pushing each other forward and 
and it's good, honestly, for the horses too. You know, we'll, we didn't, we don't do a whole lot of working with each other's horses, but we, we do some just to introduce those horses to as many people as we can. And it always helps when the first people you introduce them to are people that kind of know what they're doing. So that's really good too. Um, so yeah, tell us a little bit about what um, the next steps are for Champ. So Champ is going to live with a very nice lady in Colorado, um, and she actually owns my Fort Worth EMM horse from 2015. Um, his name was Hakuna Matata, and she she treats her horses like they're her children and does everything for them and just kind of rides trails around in Colorado, and I'm super happy he got such an awesome home. and. Um, He's going to stay with me for probably a few more months and just get a ton of trail miles. So he's ready and I'm super excited for him. That's awesome. It sounds like you could not have asked for a better home for Champ. So congratulations to you and Champ again, Katie. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, We hope to see you down the road at um, another EMM here soon that we're back in person. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much. Are you ready to change a life today? When you support the mission of the Mustang Heritage Foundation to help bring more Mustangs and burros home, you change the life of a Mustang or burro by helping them find a life outside of holding. Since 2007, the Mustang Heritage Foundation has brought home more than 16,000 Mustangs and burros through innovative programs and events that help showcase the the heart, versatility, and grit of Mustangs and burros. Despite our success, nearly 50,000 Mustangs and burros still remain in holding, waiting to find homes. Donate today and help change the lives of even more Mustangs and burros at mustangheritagefoundation.org slash donate. Uh, up next, we've got Nate Eicher. Uh, Nate is a four-time Extreme Mustang Makeover champion and reserve champion. Uh, he's shown in many, many different disciplines and has judged numerous events, uh, including ranch horse shows and several tip challenges for us uh, and many of our makeovers. So, Nate, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, you obviously just coming fresh off of judging our virtual Kentucky Extreme Mustang Makeover. Uh, can you talk to us about a, a little bit about what, what was that like? What is it like to judge a, a makeover and a virtual one specifically? Well, thanks for having me. Um, so it's it's a great experience. The virtual aspect of it was definitely different, um, you know, because you could you could kind of get over things a little more than when you're judging in person. It's it's happening right now, but it was a great experience. I was really impressed with how everyone did and just the, the progress they made on all their horses in 120 days. 100, 120 days, whatever the number is. I mean, it's not a very long time. Uh, so you obviously have experience judging other disciplines and breeds and all that good stuff. So can you talk to us a little bit about what you look for in a makeover horse after 100 or 120 days as compared to something that, you know, is at a APHA or AQHA show? Well, I definitely have it in the back of my mind that just because I've been there many times with these, you know, four month horses, it's so different than like the HHA or APHA, you know, where they have a year or two to get ready most of the time. So you're, you're judging a horse 
that is green broke and you know and been there like i'm i'm appreciating where each person is at because i know how hard they've worked and you know mustangs compared to quarter horses um they oftentimes will move a little different and oftentimes they're not built quite as well as a well-bred quarter horse um so i'm just you know i'm looking at the overall picture really uh, when you're when you say you're looking at the overall picture, is that a combination of the the horse and the and the trainer? I mean, what, I, is it the same as when you're judging a quarter horse show? I mean, what 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 really are are the differences? Well, a lot of these trainers, um, from my understanding, a lot of the Mustang trainers um, don't do it full time. So that's another aspect of it you know, they're doing this on their spare, on their spare time, in their spare time. So I, I can appreciate it even more. Um, I know there's a number of them that are trainers. They, they train horse full time, but the ones that don't doing it on the side like that, it's just, it's really cool to see. What advice do you have for folks that are, you know, you know, not full-time trainers, but are interested in, in possibly participating in an event like this? Well, my number one thing would be, you know, go get help with trainers. Like there's so many trainers around that will, that are just happy to do lessons and have you come on a regular basis to get them, to get you and your horse on the right track. I mean, there's, you know, for the most part around the country, there's trainers to go to. And that'd be my number one piece of advice I would give to people that don't do it full time. Um, the other thing is don't get discouraged, you know, when you get your horse, if you aren't at a certain place in two weeks and it looks like everybody else is riding their horse, you know, don't get discouraged about that because every program is different and more than likely you're building a more solid relationship with your horse by spending more time on the ground before you get in the saddle. So everyone is different on their approach. So don't get discouraged with it. I think that's great advice. Nate. That's something that we hear from several of the trainers that we've talked to is, you know, don't get discouraged and reach out to that network of trainers to, to find some help. Um, one thing I always kind of like to hear from everybody we talk to is obviously you work, you work with other, you're a trainer, you work with other breeds as well. What is the difference that you see between those other breeds and Mustangs when, when you're training? What I see with with a lot of other horses, uh, they're more domestic, obviously. So, you know, they, they're just, you start from a different level than you would with a Mustang. The Mustangs, a lot of them will adapt to one person. They just, they're a little different that way. Um, but if you treat them right, like you have to almost build that relationship of trust with them whereas like the other breeds they already have that you know they they've been around people from day one where with the mustangs where a lot of people might get into trouble is they start on the same level that they would with a regular horse and the mustangs are like wait a minute i don't i don't even know about human beings very much right. so you start on a way different level 
So how do you typically, when you're starting a Mustang, because obviously you have competed in extreme Mustang makeovers and, and been very successful, how do you, what is your approach when you get a new Mustang? Well, I just spend a lot of time with them in a small round pen. Uh, most of them in a small round pen. And my goal is, you know, in two days, I want to touch, I want to be rubbing all over the tours. Um, but that time, you know, just spending a lot of time throughout the day in short sessions with that horse is so vital in the beginning. But the one thing I want to touch on that I have a lot of people coming to me on with their Mustangs in that first week is they're not getting to them in the first two days. Then their Mustang starts to learn how to avoid them. You know, that's one thing I'll emphasize, like, get to that Mustang as soon as possible, get rubbing on them because that's, they love it. They really do. So in those cases, do you typically, what does the first two, those first two days look like? Are you, do people, do you typically go out for a couple sessions? Like, you know, go out in the morning, give the horse a break, go out in the afternoon, go out in the evening, or do you just kind of let the horse guide you? Yes, it's different for each horse. Yes, I will go out probably more times than that the first two days. Like I might, and I don't do a lot of physical work with them. It's more just mental work, like going in there and hanging out or walking beside them and a lot of approach and retreat. So I don't do a lot of uh, physical where they're moving out or anything like that. I don't do much of that, but I go in there often, you know, we might, it might be 10 or 15 times. But I want to emphasize that I'm not in there wearing that horse out. It's it's going in there and building a relationship. Sounds like the the relationship thing. You know, if if you had to give one piece of advice to trainers that are starting out or that have maybe gone through this before and are looking for ways that they could potentially improve, you know, is it to build that level of trust? Is that correct, Nate? Yes, absolutely. The more that horse trusts you. Um, I mean, you can just do so much with them when they start really trusting you. Talk to us a little bit um, about what your most memorable freestyle performance has been. I know I've seen several with you doing numerous different things as a competitor. Um, so what really sticks out as your favorite uh, top 10 freestyle performance moment? So my favorite one, I would say, was with a horse named Cadillac with the Mustang. Um, so I was in, I lived in Pennsylvania at the time and come all the way down. And I think it was my fourth makeover, but he was such a cool horse and I had him broke to drive the buggy and I could ride him bridleless. But in my compulsory, I messed up and like I was, I was leading it or me and another guy were on top coming into the top 10 and then it was a clean slate. But then my compulsory, I just kind of messed it up and put, set myself back. And I was so bummed out because I knew I had such a great horse. But so I decided that evening, the compulsory was in the morning. So I decided that evening, I'm just going to have a good time in that freestyle and just show them off for what he is. And we went out there 
and he had a few boggles. I mean, it's a, it's a green horse, but he, he just gave me his heart. I mean, he just, I just felt like he was with me every step of the way. And when I pulled that bridle off and just did that performance, like it was just such an amazing feel. I haven't had on one since, you know, like to that degree. So it was, that was definitely one of my most memorable ones. That that sounds like it was a phenomenal experience. So as we are moving into the uh, Oklahoma City event here in just a few short weeks, uh, you know, what advice would you give to those competitors as they're working to build out those freestyles and really showcase what their horses can do? Do you have any words of wisdom as a past competitor? Yes. I, I mean, the thing I would say is, show your horse for where he or she is at. Don't, don't try to do a huge freestyle that, that your horse isn't ready for. And maybe the thing I see in the most in freestyles is people get a little too fast and a little too crazy with their horses. And they're, it, it just shows the lack of horsemanship. If, if you just slow down, and that's something I have to work on as well, if we just slow down and show our horse for where he's at, I think the overall score comes out a lot better. Okay, so the, the old adage of go slow to go fast, is that that sounds like uh, what you're getting at. Absolutely. I mean, be creative. Um, you know, I love to see creative, creativity and freestyles. Um, definitely be creative, but, but keep the horsemanship part of it. Okay. Okay. And I think that that's a, a key point that you hit on right there. I mean, we, we love getting, uh, folks in for, and, and showing off what these horses can do, but when it boils down to it, we are really trying to showcase the, the horsemanship and, and what these great Mustangs can do and their talent and potential. And you know, that they're, they can go on to bigger and better things. So, um, Thank you so much for, for talking with us today, Nate, and, and the great advice. And uh, I'm sure we'll be calling on your judging expertise again here in the near future. So uh, thank you for all that you've done, and uh, we look forward to seeing you soon. You can find the Mustang Heritage Foundation at mustangheritagefoundation.org. You can follow Horses in the Morning on Facebook. Just search for Horses in the Morning. You can have all of the Horse Radio Network shows with you wherever you go with our free app for iPhone and Android. Go to your app store and search Horse Radio Network. And here's to hoping you get to bring home a Mustang. Mustang.